Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. This is Terry Wickstrom. We are broadcasting live from Lazy Days RV off I-70 in Chambers. I'll tell you more about that in just a second, but got a lot of ground to cover in today's show. Um, we're going to have a tackle talk later on and talk about some fishing lures. We're going to have an ask, ask the Expert. That gets harder to say as I get older. But we're going to give away some gift certificates to Sportsman's Warehouse. You can win a gift certificate to Sportsman's Warehouse by sending your Ask the Expert question in. Uh, the best way to find out about it is go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. All the rules for sending it in are on that page. You just send us an email with a question, and if we choose to answer it on the air, you get a gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse. Later on in the show today, I'm probably going to touch on my column that I wrote in the Denver Post this week about what happened with the bill for the funds for the raising of the fees in uh, in the Senate Finance Committee and in the state legislature. You may want to go read that column on the Post. There's also a link on my Facebook page to that, or you can go right to the Denver Post and Google it. Uh, a lot. I want to get to that later on, but we got a lot of fun stuff to cover. Had a little weather here the last couple days. But we're going to get out. We're going to talk some fishing. We're going to talk some shotgunning today. Uh, we're going to have uh, Dan Swanson join us later in the show, professional walleye tour, uh, championship qualifier. Of course, Nate, Nate will join us, and he's down at Pueblo, so we'll get a report from that. Uh, we just got a lot going on, and we're going to actually go down to Pueblo for the park segment today, too, one of them. And then we're going to talk some boating safety later on the show. So we got a lot of ground to cover. But right now, I want to introduce... Uh, Ted Drysdale, is that right, Ted? That's correct. Good your morning. Your boss told me to call you uh, the hat. So <laughs> <laughs> he wears this great, it's a, it's a, it's a Stetson too, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, beautiful hat. Looks good. He had to take it off for the headphones, though. So <laughs> we're not going to keep him on long because he, so, he looks so important. But that hat on, it just gives him this air. So <laughs> uh, I can't find anything to wear that makes me look that good. So I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we're out here. We're out here at Lazy Days RV. And you guys, were, we're broadcasting live. By the way, um, if you want to come out and say hi, I'll be here broadcasting till 10. I always hang around a little while afterwards. 11, I'm sorry, broadcasting here till 11. I forgot we're on our summer hours. We, we switch. <laughs> and um, I always hang around a little while after. And I'd love to have you come out and say hi. It's real easy to get here. Take I-70 to Chambers. Just go south on Chambers, and you can't miss it. It's right on the left just after you get past the fast food restaurant. You'll see it. And just turn in here and uh, come on and say hi. We'd love to. And take a look around while you're here. But, uh, Ted, I want to talk to you. Before we get to everything about lazy days, the RV industry, um, you know, eight, ten years ago when there was kind of a a downturn in the economy, boating, RVing, things like that took a little bit of a hit. But a lot of the manufacturers got, some of them got weeded out. And then a lot of the um, the ones that stayed came back with new models and better conveniences, really kind of revamped the industry. And if people haven't checked out RVs for uh, for a few years, they'd be in for some surprises, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the products we have today are are far superior to what we had uh, back in the uh, prior to the the 0809 uh, we're seeing a lot better quality we're seeing more amenities uh, we're seeing a, a lot of uh, very inspirational floor plans and uh, kind of really moving towards what today's outdoors people want um, a lot of the outdoor kitchens a lot of uh, lighter weight products 
so that we can, uh, you know, more and more people can experience the uh, the fun of RVing. Well, and it's re- it's it's more popular than ever. And in Colorado alone, we got over 40 state parks, not to mention the other places you can RV. And um, I've seen the little write-ups how if you compare the cost, that RVing is actually cheaper than staying in motels and paying gas in your car. Oh. And Absolutely, and it's just a great way to go. And you're not unpacking your stuff. You're you're showing up, and uh, you guys, you sell and you rent and you service RVs. So you're a full service dealer. In fact, I think the largest one in the Denver area. Correct. And you've got locations up and down the Front Range here, three locations, but um, you also rent, and I think that's important. Because I think I, I've been in the outdoor community, the outdoor world, well, my whole life in the outdoors. I uh, used to do a lot of RVing. I do hunting. Of course, I did 20 seasons on television, fishing, traveled the world. And we do shooting. And I know you're an outdoor enthusiast. Mm-hmm. You do side-by-sides and hunting. It's, there's nuances to whatever you do in the outdoors. And if you just come in and think you know what you want, whether it's a boat or a, a new firearm, an RV, a lot of times you're mistaken. You were telling me earlier that it's really good to rent something before you buy. Right. It gives you an opportunity. Uh, this is a whole new world for most people. So it gives you an opportunity to, to take one of these out and, and find out what works for you and your family and the type of camping you're going to do. So uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll find that our customers will come in and rent for a, a time or two and really narrow that down to the to the unit that's going to work for them, and then we can uh, we can assist them in that process. Now, what are some of the mistakes? The people that just well, first of all, if they come here, you've got expert people on staff here Correct. to help them go through. And I would assume the first thing you do is you assess their needs, what they want to do. Correct. Uh, what what type of camping are they going to be doing is is a big thing, and and um, you know how many do they they need to sleep? Uh, doesn't do any good to buy a camper that sleeps too if you've got you know a wife and and uh, two kids, and although and there the are dog. times when I'd like to have left the kids, yeah, at home. there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there are those occasions as well, but it just gives us an opportunity to assess your needs so that we can better fit the product to how you want to use it. Um, I would think, yeah, that you know, you really got to kind of go through things because do you want a canopy? Are you going to be sitting outside by the fireplace? Do you, or do you want just something small you can pull into the backcountry, maybe with a Jeep? They've got the high wheel-based Correct. ones now you can pull with a Jeep. And maybe you're just going to be out hunting, and you're just going to sleep in it. You're going to be in the field. There's just You really have to understand. What is there a common mistake you see people make? A common mistake, yeah, is that people buy too small. Uh, yeah. they'll, they'll come in and think, they, they, you know, this is plenty of room. And, and they get out, and they realize that, uh, you know, after two or three days, it's just just not enough coach for them. Well, I know, and anymore, people used to buy downsized because you couldn't tow them very easily. But that's really changed. You can even tow a lot of these modern ones with very small SUVs. Correct. With, with you know, uh, the, the small to midsize SUVs being so popular, uh, our manufacturers have adapted to that, and we have a, a large variety of units that can be towed with that smaller vehicle now. You don't have to own a pickup truck. Well, that's absolutely right. And, you know, and, and a lot of times people with a, a small SUV, they, they really do want to get out. And a lot of times it's a new family with maybe one child or something, and they can get out. It's a great way to get started because once you get out there, you just stay out there. Camping just grows on you. The camping, if people haven't done RV camping, and I want to get to what you guys have here in just a minute, we will. But if people haven't done RV camping, it's not only being out there by the lake or in the woods or at the park. But there's a community that develops among the other RVers, isn't there? Absolutely, uh, and that's one of the nice things about RVing. When you pull into that 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 campground, you have one thing in common with everybody there, and all the social barriers seem to come down. Um, you just have fun. 
I, I can go on and on and on about people that, that have met somebody at a campground and they've been camping together for 15, 20 years now, you know, and they had no contact before, but it's just, uh, they just enjoy the same things. They, they, they relate to each other on that level. And it's really, it's really a lot of fun. Oh, it is. I've done it myself. Um, before we run out of time, let's talk a little bit about lazy days here in Aurora. Like I said, we're, the easiest way to get here would be to take I-70 to Chambers and just go south on Chambers, and you're going to be on the east side of the road just about a block down. You can't miss it. You'll see all the RVs here. Real easy to get to. Um, tell me about you got a big sale going on. Let's talk about that first. We do. We have our Great American RV sale going on through the end of the month. Uh, right now, almost every unit on our lot is reduced. Uh, we have some great deals out here today. Uh, we uh, we have, like I say, we have our rental department. We have our, our we have a, a fantastic parts and service department. Um, so we 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 are a hundred percent all round dealer. Uh, we we try to try to take care of all your needs front to back, start to finish, from the time you start camping till till you get too old where you can't do it anymore. All right. And what are some of the brands you carry out here? Some of the ones you want to highlight that we carry uh, in in our motorized division. We carry the Tiffin Motorhomes. We carry. Um, the Winnebago line, uh, the Pleasure Way class, Bees. Uh, in our Tobles, we have a full line of Coachmen. Uh, the North Trail Heartland line, um, Keystone, Montana. Uh, we, we just got a really, really great selection. And you, we talked earlier, you carry everything from the little tiny outdoor kitchen units that you can pull with just about anyway up to a full size would that be a class a motor home? class a 45 foot bus yeah and those are usually diesel powered oh yes that, yeah. yeah i have a friend from alaska we were just at his place he has a lodge in alaska but he keeps his large class a motor home just outside of colorado springs because that's where they go in the winter and we were just at his place having a glass of wine in his motorhome or his class a i, I can't even it's, it's it's a mansion it's just unbelievable i mean it's more luxury than a lot of nice houses well just because you're you're camping doesn't mean you you have to be roughing it i mean we we can give you all the amenities that that you that you like i mean from in motion satellite to heated tile floors to uh dishwashers, washer dryers, you tell us what you want, it's probably available. I told my wife a long time ago that my idea of roughing it was black and white television. <laughs> so <laughs> I've done the sleeping on the ground, out hunting and fishing, and and we've been from the Arctic Circle to the equator in some of the most remote places. And you know what? I kind of I even have a recliner in the front seat of my boat. So that's how <laughs> bad I've gotten. But it's just a great place. If they come out here, um, I tell you what, if you come out here, you want them to ask for you so you can get them started? Absolutely. Just, have yeah. them come see me. Uh, I'd be more than happy to get you with one of my sales professionals and, and see if we can assess your needs and wants and, and uh, see if we can help you out with a new, you know, getting getting started or if it's your, you know, trading up to the next one that you're ready for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just, uh, you know, what? if nothing else, come out and kick the tires here and see what's going on. Uh, people will be amazed just to see. I've been amazed, and I'm involved in the industry, so as I attend the sports shows and, and go to places, I get to see all the new RVs, and I'm just totally amazed. It's just fantastic what's happened. I mean, it's just it's such a great way to go anymore, and you got it all right here at uh, Lazy Days RV. So come on out here to uh, to Chambers and I-70, just on the south uh, southeast corner of Chambers and I-70. Ask for Ted. He's the man in charge. He'll get you set up with a professional, and they got a huge sale going on all month. I think we'll talk later, but I, I want to get your – it says here in my notes you got 
you get $7,000 worth of benefits during this sale. So maybe later on the hour we can talk about that, Ted. Absolutely. We call it our Experience More Package, and I'd be more than happy to go over those those things with you. All right, that's Ted. We're going to take a we're going to make take a time out here. When we come back, we're going to be uh we're going to be joined by uh the boating safety guys from Parks and Wildlife. And then uh, we're going to have a, just a full show lined up, but we're broadcasting live out here at Lazy Days RV at I-70 in Chambers. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company, the Honey Smoked Salmon. Best salmon in the world. This stuff is great. Sun Power Sports. Don't forget they're having their demo days here. Tuesday, May 23rd, come in and drive a KTM Street model. And on Sunday, uh, May 26th, and May 27th, Saturday and Sunday, rather, you can come in and drive one of the new Harley models, all that at Sun Power Sports. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, uh, we have Grant Brown. Good morning, Grant. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Great. All right. So, uh, I'm, so where, are you, where are you calling from today? It's, I'm in Aurora, and it's beautiful. Yep, I'm in Littleton. Yep. Yeah. When I left my house in Fort Collins, I know we're going to talk boating, but it didn't feel like boating weather. There was snow on the ground and trees broken everywhere. I got down here, and you guys didn't even get winter again. We did. Agreed. Yeah, I'm happy. It seems like it's blowing out, though. It's supposed to be a nice weekend the next couple of days. Oh, it really is supposed to be good. It's all supposed to be good. And with that coming, we're going to see more and more people getting on the water and going out boating, and we thought this would be a good time to maybe go over some of the some of the basic boating safety tips and things like that, but also maybe touch on a few new topics that we don't always haven't covered in the past. But I think let's start out by um, kind of refresh people with you know some of the rules and equipment they need if they're getting ready to start the boating season. All right. Well, we want to encourage all boaters need to have life jackets on their boat. So if you're going to be out on the water, you need to have enough life jackets for everyone that's going to be on your boat. Uh, if you have children on the boat, um, all 12 and under must have their life jackets on at all times when out on the water. Uh, you need your um, motorized vessels and sailboats need to have registration, so proper registra uh, registration, uh, be it yeah, their Colorado registration or out of state for 60 days. Um, you need a sound-producing device, a horn or a whistle. And vessels 16 feet and over need a Type 4 throwable. And um, motorized vessels with a fixed gas tank uh, need a fire extinguisher. And it's pretty basic stuff that you should have out there any, anyway. Let's touch real quick on the, the personal flotation devices, the PFDs. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the kids, is it 12 and under, that have to have one on all the time? Yes, sir. And, and you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna confess here that over the course of my life, I wasn't always as diligent about wearing my my uh, life jacket as I should have been, uh, and that's foolish because you can end up in the water so quickly. And with some of the things you have now, the inflatable suspenders and some of the lightweight uh, flotation devices, it's just comfortable to wear them all day. And if you, I'll bet if you look back at the statistics, most of them show that most deaths occur when somebody isn't wearing one. That is absolutely correct. Um, the problem is people wait till the last minute when they need them, and it's hard to put that life jacket on when it's, you're freezing out in that water. Oh, it really is. In fact, didn't you have a couple of fatalities this year already? 
yes, we had one uh, in December, and then, yeah, just a few months ago, and um, both not wearing a life jacket, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's just, I think, I know I haven't got the statistics in front of me, but it's just, it's just huge, uh, and there's such comfortable things out there. Uh, one of the things people have to make sure, though, when they do get, especially with kids, you need to get a, a life jacket or a flotation device that's Coast Guard rated for those, the, the size of the individual, don't you? Yes, sir. Yep. So you got to, that's absolutely right. So especially with the children, we want to make sure got that properly fitting jacket when it's not too big because, once again, if they hit the water, we don't want it to pop off of them because the life jacket will float and they won't. And, and you mentioned the uh, um, fire extinguishers. I think the biggest thing with the fire extinguishers, people put them on a boat, and since they almost hopefully never get used, they don't check them. A lot of times, if you guys stop a boat to check their safety equipment, that's an ex, uh, expired fire extinguisher. It can be one of the biggest issues, isn't it? Yes. Yep, it's a common one. It's got to be make sure it's properly charged. So that means if it, it'll show empty or full, and some of the older kind of a green button on top. Generally, if you push that button, if it stays down, then it's no longer serviceable. Okay. And then I want to talk about a couple other topics. I know we want to get people out there. Do you have, is there a place people can go first, a website maybe that kind of reminds them of all the safety things they need here in Colorado? Sure. Um, you can, people can go to our Colorado Parks and Wildlife website and find the boating page. And under the boating page, you can see all the required safety items and other information for boating in Colorado. And I don't want to make a show out of it today, but I've had a request, and I may get you back on or I may get somebody from Parks back on or the appropriate person, and that's etiquette at the boat ramp. Uh, we have a lot of new boat owners in Colorado, and they're excited to get out. There's just a few things about learning how to what the proper etiquette is at the boat ramps, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. Um, let's see. Yeah, the biggest thing we always encourage, especially the new boaters, practice through the week. Uh, don't pick a Saturday or Sunday to be the first day you go out there and try to uh, back down the ramp. Oh. That's when everyone is out there and they're ready to go. So, hey, one of my favorite recreational activities is to get a cooler full of some kind of beverage and just sit by the boat ramp while the boats are coming in during a storm. But <laughs> absolutely, yeah, that's it's a, quite I mean, a show. people, in, in all honesty, people don't practice enough. There, you know, dealers sell them a boat and they take it out, go to the parking lot, back it up, unhook it, learn how to get on and off the water. Also, uh, something that we've got a lot of holidays coming up here very quickly, and people love to sit by the fireplace, barbecue, have something to drink. If it's a hot day, they may even have something alcoholic out on the boat, and there really is a big push about boating under the influence, isn't there? Yep, there. Yes, there is. Um, we're trying to be out there pretty vigilant looking for that, and um, bringing that up, it's going to be the kickoff to the saturation patrol uh, will be Operation Dry Water, which is the last weekend in June. So it'll be June 30th through July 2nd is the increased saturation patrol weekend. Um, so it'll be increased awareness for um, looking for impaired boaters. And there's some pretty severe penalties for boating under the influence. Yes, there sure are. Um, again, it's arrestable, and uh, it basically carries the same fines of a DUI in the state of Colorado. And so people just, you know... The driver of the boat just needs to be the designated driver. And it's just we've had some fatalities because of, uh, you know, impaired operators of boats. And we just want everybody to have a good time. The last thing I want to touch on, Grant, is 
paddle craft. We've really seen an explosion. I own a kayak, Karen, my wife and producer owns a kayak. Um, we see the paddle boards just prolific, being prolific out on the lakes now. Um, there's uh, canoes that are out there, of course. Uh, I don't know that people understand how, that a lot of these same rules apply to them, don't they? Yep, they sure do. Uh, big one again, having that life jacket on board and a sound-producing device. Um, they do not need to be registered. Uh, if they don't have a motor or a sail, but they do need to have their contact information affixed to that vessel. I think that we need to touch again on the life jacket, sir, because I think a lot of people get on a paddleboard or a a kayak or even a canoe, and they think, well, it's warm water, and I'm going to be out having fun, and I I don't even care if I tip over, and they don't realize that they need a life uh, a flotation device with them, especially paddleboarders, because if you're not going to wear it, there really isn't a good place to put it on a paddleboard, but you can get a ticket if you don't have one with you, right? Yep, that is correct. Um, again, like you said, canoes, kayaks, paddleboards, they are all considered vessels, so they do follow the same rules of all other um, vessels on the water, and um, yeah, so we just we always encourage people to wear their life jacket but again, they do have to have that one at least readily accessible. And a Type 4 cushion does not count as a PFD. That's right. The throwable pack. cushion is not a wear. It has to be a wearable PFD. Correct. Um, the last thing, too, is you mentioned a sound device. A simple whistle. They make whistles that are very loud uh, for any outdoor activity. They can put them on almost any pocket or pouch. They're not big. And they work really well. In fact, they're one of the best sound-producing devices you can have. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, we encourage people to have them on all their life jackets. They're easy to keep on there. Grant, we're out of time. Any last comments before we let you go? Nope, that's all I have. Thanks uh, for having me on. All right, that's, uh, that's Grant Brown from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports. You know, they're having their demo days. Uh, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, they're demoing the KTM demo uh, where you can test drive those and uh, on on uh, next Saturday and Sunday, they can take demo rides on Harley. That's uh, Sun Power Sports. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Hey, we are broadcasting live today from Lazy Days RV, um, just off of I-70 in Chambers. You can't miss it here. You take I-70, go to Chambers, go south. It's about a block down on the left. I'll be broadcasting here till 11. Come on down and say hi. I'd love to talk fishing, hunting, shooting with you. Come on, take a look at the RVs. And I'll hang around for a little while after the show. And if you need that special tip, I'll be here to help you. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from Pueblo State Park is Doug Pacelli. Good morning, Doug. Morning, Jay. You know, we got a little blast of winter up here, but it went away, and it's going to be beautiful. What's it look like down there? Uh, looking pretty good here today, Terry. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's part, partly cloudy. I was just checking the forecast. supposed to get up to 63 today, so it's going to be a beautiful uh, spring day. You know, these cooler temperatures are actually kind of nice right now. Uh, give it another month, and we'll be 100 down here. Oh, yeah. Hey, Doug, for people who aren't familiar with Pueblo, there's always people new to the area, uh, tell them where it's located and describe the reservoir a little bit. Sure, Terry. We're about an hour and a half uh, south of Denver and 45 minutes south of Colorado Springs and four miles west of the city of Pueblo off of Highway 96. And it's a beautiful park. It's got one of the largest reservoirs in the state, right? That's correct, Terry. Um, 
big water sports park, uh, a lot of fishing opportunities at Lake Pueblo. Uh, the lake is, you know, full of walleye, uh, three species of bass, um, smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, spotted bass. There's wipers, um, catfish, uh, trout, you name it. Lake Pueblo has it. Um, it's just a, a smorgasbord of good fishing, and it's it's an incredible park. It really is. Yeah, let's get back to the fishing in a minute. I want to talk, touch on a couple other things there. One is you have a tremendous amount of camping available there, and you were re um, you were redoing some of the campsites. Is that done? Or are they all open now? That's correct, Terry. Um, through the uh, winter, all of our electric campsites have been upgraded from 30 amp service to 50 amp service. Um, so that's going to accommodate, you know, a lot of the newer RVs, the bigger RVs that pull uh, more power. Um, that was a big uh, project for Lake Pueblo. And all of the uh, electrical campsites are completed, and they're up and running and, and ready to use. Well, I'm here at Lazy Days RV today. They should come get one and make a reservation to bring it down there. It's a it's a great place. Be, in addition to the camping, before we get back to the water, there's a large landmass that's included in the park there, too, that has hiking and hunting and things on it, too. Absolutely. You know, Blake Pueblo is a very uh, diverse park as far as, you know, multi-use um, of a lot, a lot of biking trails, hiking trails, um, hunting opportunities, uh, bird watching. I mean, Lake Pueblo has it all, Terry. Um, it, well, it, and, you know, it, it is. It's a beautiful, and it's one of the, the premier fisheries in the state. I love it down there. You know, let's start out with the water levels. You've had three or four years of great water levels, which is incredible for uh, the health of the fishery. How is that water level this year? Is it looking like it's going to be good again? Looks great. Um, another high year. We've had uh, high water 2015, 2016, again uh, in 2017. And mentioning back to uh, the high water level that you had just said, um, the walleye fishing has really taken off because of the, the high uh, water level. Uh, the bass fishing, I think, in the last three years has really um, improved. A lot of good-sized bass are coming out of uh, the lake. The high water has really helped. Um, it's helped the crappie as well. Oh, you know, and you talk about the crappies and the bass there. First of all, you mentioned it early, three species of bass, and the largemouth seem to really fluctuate with the high water. When you get these years of high water, the largemouth really come on, especially in the backs of those coves. I've done fantastic on those largemouth myself. In fact, I'm going to do a tackle talk in a little while. I'm going to talk a little bit about a lure I used a lot in those coves. But okay. you also have smallmouth and and spotted bass there and i think a lot of times people don't realize spotted bass because the coloration is very much like a large mouth except the size of the mouth is smaller and a few more dark spots but if you don't pay attention i would be willing to bet that some state record spotted bass have been thrown back you know i, I think you're probably right terry uh they're tough to tell the difference between the large mouth and the small mouth and uh like you said, the best way to, to tell is, you know, when the mouth is closed, the jawline on a large mouth should extend slightly behind the eye. On a small, on a uh, spotted bass, it's gonna, it's not gonna do that. And, uh, you know, there's there's a little rough patch on the tongue of a spotted bass too. That's that's another little way to kind of tell, I guess. And it's fantastic, and the fact that all three 
inhabit a little bit different terrain. The, the spots may be a little similar to the smallmouth as far as that, but the habitat they use isn't exactly the same. So there's different areas of the lake you can fish and have success. You mentioned the crappies also. I want to talk about the crappies and catfish because I know you can come down there right now. The walleyes are going. It's, we're getting to the summer peak. This is the time of the year when you won't get as many big walleyes, but you'll have these 30, 40 fish days, and it's fun, and you can just catch tons of them. But the crappie and the catfish get overlooked down there. After you get two, three years of high water like this, you typically get off some very good crappie spawns. I would think those crappie are cycling back. Now, guys are closed mouth, but what have you been able to figure out? Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, last fall and the fall of 2015, I saw guys bring in 15 to 16-inch crappie out of Lake Pueblo. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, there's some really nice crappie in Lake Pueblo. And, uh, you know, for people that are listening, look for brush piles, uh, stuff like that. They'll be sitting down there, um, you know, small jigs, stuff like that will get you into some crappie. Oh, especially this time of the year. They're, they're shallow, getting ready to spawn or spawning. And this is probably the best time of the year to catch those big crappies and just cast, like you said, little jigs right up by the brush. Hey, um, another one is the catfish there. Not only do you have great channel cat, I've caught channel cat in the river below there up to 20 pounds and big ones in the lake too. Wow. And then you've got the blue cats now where a new state record came out of there that was uh, I was over 20-some pounds, and they think that'll be broken soon. That's another resource that people need to fish more. That's for sure. Uh, that uh, state record cat, yes, that blue catfish, uh, we've, we've probably got a lot of records sitting in this lake, Terry. I wouldn't be surprised that uh, another state record wiper may come out of Pueblo one day. Oh, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct, and you've got big bass. Almost any of the fish there, because you've got great forage, there's a potential for a state record. Another thing people don't realize, and I want to talk about the river. We were going to run out of time, but a couple minutes. But before we even get to that, there's huge trout right in the lake, and when the water's cool at this time of the year, those trout get caught a lot. Yes, they do. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of trout in here over 20 inches long, uh, you know, 20 to 25-inch trout. That's not uncommon to see those fish coming out and, and you know, anglers getting into those. Uh, like I said, it's just a, it's a diverse park in itself. The fishery is diverse. Um, you never know what's going to be on the end of your line at Lake Pueblo, and I think that's what's really neat about this park, that there's so many different species of fish. Uh, that a person can fish for here at Lake Pueblo. It's oh, and uh, the biggest, second biggest trout I ever caught in Colorado came on a rattle trap type lure, uh, f casting for bass up against one of those cliffs. Two things real quick. We can't take a lot of time, but I want to touch on them. One is with the lake being so full, there's a lot of shore fishing opportunities in the back end by Turkey Creek and that right now, I'll bet. That's right. Uh, a lot of shore fishing opportunities in the uh, north wildlife area up by Turkey Creek, uh, all back through that area. If a person's willing to put in a, a small hike, uh, the south wildlife area off of Highway 96 also has a lot of shore fishing opportunity. And you catch bass there on a fly rod, I believe. I do. Yeah, just that's a that's a fun way because you got a lot of suspended brush. You can take that floating fly line, I'll bet, and just work a lure right over the top of those that brush that's correct terry you know with 60 miles of shoreline uh i mean people can get out here spread out have some room uh yeah there's a lot of places that shore fishermen can access uh the lake uh, oh you're ab absolutely right and the last thing i want to take a minute and touch on 
the river below, now I know the flows are going to be a little high here pretty soon, but sure. when those flows are right, that spillway and that river really all the way through town, but especially close to the reservoir, is an incredible fishery. You know, the tailwater below the reservoir, um, you know, during the prime time, you know, non-runoff time, uh, it's probably one of the best uh, tailwaters in the state. Uh, there's a lot of big fish in there. Very technical uh, nymphing fishery, usually, if you're fly fishing it, although a lot of people do good on uh, spinners. Um, some folks bait fish uh, between uh, the dam and the Velco Bridge. Bait fishing is allowed through there. And then from the Velco Bridge down to the Nature Center, there's some special regulations. Um, but, yeah, the river's awesome. It's, uh, it's, that's just another asset to this park. Uh, and it's not just trout. I've caught catfish. I've caught walleyes. I've caught smallmouth bass in that river. That's true. A lot yeah. of the, you know, a lot of those fish get out of the lake when the when the gates are open. Some of them get out and and you know inhabit the river. It's it's just another, um, just it's just the icing really on the cake uh, down here in Pueblo, the river. Yeah. And we don't even have time to talk about the Velco Ponds, where there's smallmouth up to 18 inches. Just incredible fishing opportunities down there. Doug, we are out of time. I have to let you go. But thanks, thanks for coming Dave. and bringing us up to speed. People want to go to an, just probably the premier fishery in the state. they got to head down to Pueblo. I couldn't agree with you more, Terry. All right. Thanks, Doug. Thank you. That's Doug Pacelli from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by the Honey Smoked Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. It's just the most incredible smoked salmon you'll ever eat. The secret is in the fire. It's time now for Terry's Tackle Tip of the Week. All right, it is time for our Tackle Tip of the Week. And today we're going to talk about a, a particular lure that you just need to have in your tackle box if you fish in Colorado. Now, you may... If you fish anywhere, I fished the saltwater, I fished Minnesota, I fished Canada, I fished across North America. Use in. I've always have some of these with me, and that's the Berkeley Power Tube. A couple reasons why you want to have these power tubes as part of your arsenal all the time. First of all, they're very versatile. You can fish them when it's a tough bite as a finesse presentation. You can fish them when it's an aggressive bite as a more active presentation. There's a number of ways to rig them, which I'll go through here in just a minute. And they're available in a lot of sizes and colors. Now, I like the Berkeley Power Tube, and they keep improving. It used to be they just had a 3-inch, so you can still find those. But for the most uh, part now, the new ones are 2 and a half three and a half and four and a half inches long and they can be rigged in a variety of ways and come in a number of colors let's start out first by talking about what you should have in your tackle box okay I would have a couple of the different sizes to give you a little bit of uh, matching the hatch kind of presentation ability or the ability to downsize um, I keep all three I keep some two and a half some three and a half some four and a half Probably fish the three and a half the most. I really do. That's the one I have tied on the most. Probably next go to the two and a half. And then the four and a half when I'm really trying to entice maybe that bigger bite or they're eating something larger. For colors on my power tubes, if I could only have one color, it would be white. That being said, I don't fish the white that much, but it, 
it can be a go-to color, okay? Uh, I always have some pumpkin seeds, some normal looking craw types. I have a few darker and a few lighter colors. If you were going to maybe take two sizes and take two colors in each size, I would go to a, uh, a white in a three and a half and a, and a, and a two and a half. And then I would go to something maybe a little darker, uh, like a, a pumpkin. Actually, I do the white and a three and a half and a four and a half. Then I do a little a lighter pumpkin seed and a three and a half and a two and a half. And then in the three and a half, I'd have a darker pumpkin seed or a more natural craw looking. But there's a lot of colors. They cost about $5 a package. And if you rig them right, a package can last you a long time. And you're going to use these in Colorado to catch trout. I don't know if you've seen the giant trout that Ronnie Castiglione catches at uh, uh, Horse Tooth Reservoir. And at Boyd also, a huge number of those come on power tubes. Or a bass, some of the biggest bass. I caught an 8-pound bass in Colorado on a power tube, okay? I've caught lots of small ba uh, bass, and they're good for largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass. You heard us talking about a Pueblo earlier today and lake trout. Probably is no better year-round jigging presentation for lake trout than a Berkeley power tube. Now, there's a number of ways you can rig a power tube. The standard way is to put a jig head inside. Now, they make jig heads that are shaped. They're more uh, long and narrow to go inside a tube. You feed those in. If you don't have one, you can get by with a regular jig head. couple different ways you put them in. If you're going to be crawling it along the bottom or if you're going to be kind of jigging and bouncing it along the bottom, you take the jig head and you push it all the way to the front of the tube on the inside and then just work the little eyelet on the top out and tie to that, okay? Now, the reason you do that is because with that weight all the way forward, it gives it, a, you can drag it along and those tentacles are going to be floating up very much like a crawfish as you drag it along the bottom. If you pop it up and hop it, that could be a crawfish thrusting forward or it could be, a, um, a bait fish, kind of in and out feeding, or a small fish. It'll imitate both, all right? The white is better for a bait fish, but a lot of different colors. There's even trout-colored tubes. A lot of times I'll do those where there's wipers or big bass around. So those are the way you rig it with a tube. Now, another thing you can do with a tube is not put the jig head all the way to the front of the tube. Leave about a quarter to three-eighths inch of the tube empty with the jig more in the middle. That's for when you're going to be jigging vertically straight down, so what happens with that now is you let that go and it has a real distinct spiraling action. You'll watch it in the water. It'll just spiral back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that spiral really imitates a dying bait fish. Lake trout love that. Bass love that. I used to use that as a go-to presentation when I was doing tank demos like at the sports shows because if I couldn't get the fish to bite, I didn't want to look bad. So I'd take a, a tube and rig it so it spiraled. They would always hit it. The instinct of that fish, it sees that spiraling tube and it just nails it. They want to eat that tube. Now experiment with the weight of the jig. You know, the, the windier it is, the more trouble you have controlling, the heavier jig you're going to need, the deeper you are. I always try to get by with as light a jig as I can, but I need to keep in the strike zone and keep contact. It will fall faster and get less spiral with a heavy jig, but it's still effective. And then the same thing when you're walk, putting the jig head all the way up and pulling it along and crawling it like a crayfish or bouncing it, or even sometimes jigging straight below the boat, but right down on the bottom with a subtle presentation. Be, pay attention to the weight of the jig. 
The other way I like to rig these, and I, they're one of my go-to baits for fishing bass and cover. I'll text this, or kind of text-pose it's called, where I'll put a slip sinker on the line. I try to stay as light as I can and still get through the cover I need to get through. And then I'll take a, a worm-style hook, or better yet, a... Uh, an HP uh, or as a hook with a very a larger bend in it, and I'll bring that hook uh, through the nose of the tube and back out, and then out through the back and straight up through the tube. So now the uh, the the uh, sharp part of the hook is laying flat on top of the tube. I pinch that into a little bit of the skin of the tube. What that does, it gives me a presentation where the hook is buried in the top skin of that tube, but it's an easy one to get a hook set. When the fish bite on it, they will actually, you almost always push that, that hook point out and you get an easy hook set, so you're not having to pull it through a big piece of plastic. But it'll go still go through most cover and fish in a lot of situations. If, you're not, if you don't have Berkeley power tubes in your tackle box, you need to go out Get two or three packages, couple different sizes and colors, start using them. You're going to catch fish. You're going to gain confidence. You'll expand the number you have, and it will improve your fishing. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company, Smoke Salmon. The secret is in the fire.